What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Abundant Journey Podcast. Super glad you can join us today. As always, I'm your host, Nick James, along with my co-host and partner in crime, Nick Offenkamp. Nick, how are you? I am doing very well. We had a wonderful weekend together as a family. Now it's Monday, ready to hit it hard, jump back into the work week. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. Same as you. You know, summer continues to be in full swing. We're enjoying life here in the Northwest and super excited about our episode today. Yeah, likewise, likewise. I'm uh, really eager to sit down with our guest. Since you know him best, do you want to uh, introduce him? Absolutely, I'll do that. So we have Chris Falco on the line. He has been a public accountant and a business owner and entrepreneur for years and years. He has uh, focused uh, wholeheartedly on really serving his clients, serving his customer base. As I've gone to his website and built a relationship with him, he, he talks about abundance, talks about serving people, everything uh, that we love here. And so we're excited to sit down. Chris, thanks for being on. How are you, sir? I'm good. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This, this, I'm looking forward to this. This will be fun. That- Absolutely. Well, you know, obviously I know you, we've built a little bit of a relationship, but the audience doesn't. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing today and what you focus on day in and day out. And then we'll go backwards and kind of uh, jump back into your early days in your journey. Okay. Well, we're a, a public accounting firm uh, in the, somewhat in the, in the traditional sense, but somewhat not in that, uh, and we're in the Redmond, uh, Washington market. So we're right down the street from Microsoft. So we're we're, we've got all sorts of technology people all around us. It's always interesting to, uh, to be involved in oh, yeah. that. We've been, we've been around for over 33 years, and so uh, it's, it's been a heck of a ride. We've seen a lot of great things happen, but our focus has not been, you know, while we do the traditional accounting services really well, you know, taxes and financial statements and stuff, we, our focus is working with that privately held business owner through their whole life cycle uh, from beginning to end and helping them you know, realize ultimately the value of their business. And so we're not an HR block level kind of place. We're not doing a bunch of little 1040s. We work primarily with business owners and, and their personal uh, taxes as well as wealth management and, and, and helping them build their, their business to the point to where then when they transition, they can realize their own dreams. Mm. I love that. That's awesome. Did you start the the public accounting firm 33 years ago have you been there the the whole time been there the whole time yeah we we did it I, it was something i'd wanted to do for many many years i mean i started uh, my career gosh in college with a cpa firm as a bookkeeper and uh, working part-time and and so uh in the early 80s when computers and, and desktops actually happened i was there for that and uh realized that you know the traditional services that accountants were going to do into the future, we're, is, we're not going to be the same thanks to the PC. And so uh, mm-hmm. really thought about, you know, what should we be focused on? Not the, uh, the, the manual um, uh, grinding of numbers, but really how to, how to help clients analyze those numbers and how, how they can do that internally in their own business with the use of PCs. And so that's where this part-time CFO concept came from way back then. I like that the uh, the part time CFO and were you starting up? Have you been in Redmond the whole time then as well? We've been in Redmond the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you were right there as the PC was uh, coming in. I mean, it, it wasn't just uh, theoretical for you. You're watching it all happen. Watching and, uh, it all happen. So yeah, yeah. I, I you know I didn't 
I was there when it happened, but it wasn't like, uh, I wasn't in the firm at the time. It's obviously, if you do the math, it goes back to the uh, early 90s. But uh, uh, that, you know, that's when I started my career and I was working as a, a CPA and, uh, and, and other, a couple other firms and really focused on trying to develop that concept of that part-time CFO. And it was, it was tough. It was hard to convince the accounting profession that that's where this was going because they are such traditionalists and number crunchers and a certain personality. And the one thing I kind of prided myself in as well as my business partner as we got together was uh, we didn't want to be accused of being accountants. And so <laughs> that, was, that was the goal. And uh, I think we accomplished that. I've been accused of being a lot of different things, but not necessarily. <laughs> but uh, uh, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Mission accomplished. Well done. Well, and Chris, I'm curious, you know, that part-time CFO, as a banker, I obviously, I, I see that pretty often with businesses that are growing. What sort of opportunities did that open for you guys? And then maybe what were some unique challenges to doing that? Well, I think the, uh, the opportunities that it provided was to really endear our clients to us and to help them through the whole process. We found out early on we're kind of uh, because we're in the financial side. You know, all businesses have different um, professionals working with them: bankers, attorneys, insurance people. And but a lot of times it, it seemed like the CPA kind of ended up being the quarterback of all of that in terms of disseminating that information uh, and interpreting it for all the other professionals that were helping the business yeah. owner, and vice versa. And so uh, that that made us you know realize we need to be much more proactive working with the client not just sitting around grinding numbers and waiting for them to drop stuff off because mm. where they got value was out of what we were helping them grow, not necessarily seeing value in just preparing a tax return, which the government's making them do. There's not much value to that for them other than they're forced to do it. And so uh, our, our goal was to really make sure that they felt like they were getting value for our services. It would build our consulting practice. It's a lot more fun to do than just grinding tax returns. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and we would endear them to us uh, and make long-term clients out of them and eventually help them transition out of their business. Yeah, that's really awesome. I, uh, I want to talk more um, about what that's looked like, uh, helping businesses grow and some of the things that you've seen. But maybe before we uh, dive deeper there, we can go back to just some of your own more formative years and where... Um, where you got this entrepreneurial spirit. And so maybe if we could turn back the clock a bit to just like upbringing and what was it that really initially got you into uh, business to um, CPA work? Um, and where do you think those seeds were initially planted for wanting to help businesses grow? Yeah, I, you know, I never started out thinking I was gonna be a CPA. Uh, I'm not sure anybody necessarily does. <laughs> maybe they should sure. head examined if they do, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, you know, I, I just started with a really strong work ethic when I was young, 14, I had my first job, was a busboy at a Holiday Inn in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Well, and, you wow. know, kind of, and then, you know, from there, I uh, was really focused, I was driven, I wanted to, um, I wa obviously wanted to succeed, I wanted to do something. And I didn't know what that was. Ended up going to college to the University of New Mexico, and uh, it was a great experience for me. I joined a fraternity, uh, I, uh, and that's really what kind of triggered me moving into the accounting side. In my sophomore year, I had uh, a couple of the alumni had started a firm. It was a small firm, and they were looking for a bookkeeper. And I wasn't—I didn't know what that necessarily meant, but. Uh, 
I thought, hey, I needed a job. I wanted a part-time job, and they hired me. And so I started out really green. I got into, you know, just learning the, the, the book side of it, you know, and, and everything was manual then. You were posting everything manually. There were no computers at that time. Wow. So uh, it was right, we were getting on the cutting edge of that, but it was starting to come, it was just starting to come out. And so started there doing that gig during college. Uh, and I was working full time and, and uh, also going to school full time. And I always thought I might even be an attorney. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, but then as I got the, those last two years and I was busting my butt trying to, you know, do school and, and work, I kind of realized, uh, one, I, could, I didn't need to go to have more school to have a good job and a good profession. I enjoyed the, the public accounting side, so I decided I'd go into public accounting because um, uh, I was a little burned out on the school side. So I thought this was a great, great entry into that. And, and I stayed with the firm that I had been working with for an uh, during college uh, and stay with them for a few years and uh, that's where I and then that's when all the stuff started happening with the computers and the technology sides and things like that and, and I got really interested in that because I saw that that not that I'm a, a gearhead by any stretch of the imagination and I do a lot of IT stuff for my own company but I uh, I, I did it you know kind of got into that and saw where this could go and I it was really exciting to me and I wanted to be mm -hmm. part of it and so I uh, uh, kind of stayed with them and, and, and eventually moved on from that firm uh, just because I'd been around so long. I was still seen as a kid. And uh, I wanted to be a partner. I knew that I wanted to do this part-time CFO concept and I needed to get to that place. And it just took a little bit of time to get to the place where I could become a, a partner and do it. And so uh, because I, it was so hard to convince, I was fortunate I had a great mentor at this first firm. and. He, he thought a lot like I did, but uh, I was kind of taking it to the next level, and I, it was hard getting traction by being an employee in the firm. So I knew I was going to have to be an owner to do it and to get there. And, and, and in that, I mean, I, I love that and, and recognizing that, you know, one, I'm hearing that it was stairs. I mean, you, you had to get the education, then you had to get the training. Then you had the umbrella, but eventually you knew that wasn't where you wanted to be. You wanted to be a partner. So curious, maybe what were some of those early barriers to entry as you were making the shift, whether that maybe be mental or, you know, psychological or maybe just physical barriers to entry. I mean, you talked about being viewed as the young guy. Yeah, you know, it's that's that's a problem in our profession anyway. Um, you know, people come out of college, they got a master's, they think, oh, I could be a consultant and all this other stuff. Well, you might be really intelligent, but when you start talking to business owners, you know, they sometimes they prefer a little gray hair and uh, to really feel like that they're getting, you know, getting someone with knowledge. And so it really was about building experience. And I think that was probably the thing that was the hardest part was just being patient and building that experience, uh, really, uh, you know, really understanding how to look at things from, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 feet uh, instead of just being in the weeds. And that's, that's also a difficult thing for um, accountants to do in general, but uh, I, that's kind of how I'm wired. And so it was something that was a lot easier for me. And so I think that um, uh, probably age was the biggest thing. It was age and experience and being perceived to have the, the firepower to be able to help a business owner get through the trials and tribulations that they run into on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. 
So you're able to move up to the Seattle Redmond area and start to add some gray dye into the the hair early on. Or no. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally joking. But um, with uh, with the move from because it sounds like the most of the experience that you got early on was with the firm in New Mexico. Yep. And so tell us a bit about the jump from New Mexico to Redmond. Was that in part driven by the opportunity that you saw by being close to Microsoft, or did you have family? What uh, what was driving that that decision it was really it was just kind of a, a, a fluke I, I I was in that Albuquerque market and the problem in Albuquerque was you know they all thought that the national labs are gonna spin off all this great these great businesses and it was gonna be a great business environment and at the time it just wasn't happening yeah. and I was getting I was getting a little antsy you know you're young you're, you want a little more challenge and so I kind of made the decision I was gonna look all over the country and so I, I went and just started looking all over the place looking for opportunities and the one that really appealed to me was the one here in the Seattle market and uh, never been up here didn't know that much about it uh, I knew that uh, you know there were some things that were happening up here but heck you just never know it was so early in the, in the whole IT technology side of things and so I, uh, yeah. I said what the heck I'm young I'm unattached I can definitely do it so I went ahead and made the move Came up here and went to work for a firm uh, that had offices in Olympia and Seattle. That's awesome. So you were able to jump from one firm to another firm and kind of get yourself established in the new market by working for a, another firm. How long were you with them before you made the jump going out on your own and, and starting I your was, business? I was with them for uh, two and a half years. And okay. you know, while they had sat there and said they wanted to do this part-time CFO and they wanted to really build that consulting side of the practice, you know, I started to see the writing on the wall after about two years that, you know, they couldn't quite get out of that, that mindset of the typical CPA firm. Uh, mm -hmm. So the talk got a little shallow at the end there, and I said, you know, this doesn't make sense. I, and about that time is when I, uh, through working through our state trade association, I met uh, my current business partner uh, on a committee, and we've been talking about things and felt like we both had a, a lot of um, uh, synergy in terms of the way we were thinking about working with businesses. And that's when I decided, you know what, the only way I'm going to make this happen is it's, i got to be a partner and I'm just going to have to start and do it the hard way. And so I took the leap and he and I became partners. I think we had one part-time uh, CPA working for us and an admin and we just hit the ground running and started you know, pushing hard and, and marketing to do this. Yeah, and is that like most business startups where you're just having to go out and uh, prospect and get all your, your clients, get in front of people? Uh, what were uh, some of the unique challenges and what were some of the early wins as you were starting your business? You know, it's, it is hard, you know, because it's a relationship business and, and a lot of times it's a referral business and you have to be very, um, you have to be really consistent. You've got to think about brand you've got to get in front of people and you got to network and that's this is well before we had uh, social media so you're doing it the hard way and uh, but I've also found that while social media can be really nice and helpful it doesn't change your ability to uh, or your need to have that face-to-face -face with people so uh, I, I was using strategies like joining Chamber of Commerces and getting on nonprofit boards being involved in the uh, our state society of CPAs a lot of that stuff where I'm out of the office, I'm doing things with other business owners in the community and uh, rubbing elbows with all the right people. And so you have to, uh, I found, and I still think that's true to this day to some degree, is that 
you've got to be in front of these people because they want they have to see you working alongside them especially if you're talking about numbers before they feel comfortable bringing their financial information to you and if they, mm -hmm. they if you work with them elbow to elbow and they feel like you're an ally it's a lot easier to get them to not only come work you know maybe be clients of yours but also refer people to you and so yeah. it was it was just a lot of heavy lifting it took some time uh, you had to, and we did some of our own marketing we did some ads we did we did trade shows even we were doing a lot of the things that were uh, not traditional for CPAs at the time. We were jumping into that market very early on. And I, did you kind of? Oh, sorry, Nick. Uh, I was just going to ask real quick if you led with, you were really setting yourself apart from traditional CPAs and with this vision of a part-time CFO. I mean, is that something that you were leading with in your marketing and prospecting? Absolutely. Uh, we were trying to set ourselves apart from most CPAs. Um, we were trying to make sure that people understood that. Uh, and and it, it was a sales job. I mean, a lot of clients weren't used to this concept either at the time. And so they were, you needed to sell them on this idea that, hey, we're proactive. We're not there just for you to drop your stuff off. And if you, if that's all you want, we're not the right business for you. Yeah. We're going to be in your face. We're going to be meeting with you. We're going to be in your offices looking at what you're doing and coming up with ways for, to help you be more efficient and more profitable. And, and by the way, we'll also make sure that we take care of you from a tax perspective and, and other needs with banks and things like that. But, you know, this, and we also knew that this approach was, would be really good when it came to uh, working with bankers and our clients. I think our, the bankers mm -hmm. commented how they liked the concept because they knew we would be involved in these businesses helping them. And that gave a lot of comfort and stability to the, to the relationships. Yeah, I mean, there's such a difference in that between the hands-on involvement. I mean, you guys, I know just even as a banker and going to submit credit memos and requests for, for uh, financing, having your guys' involvement versus, you know, a CPA firm or an accounting firm who just isn't dialed in or doesn't really know or they just do the paperwork. I mean, it it's just a night and day difference experience for us as well. So, you know, it's interesting too going back. Nick, I'm not sure if you're if you experience this in the real estate space, but you know, it's funny you you mentioned Chris talking about the social media and the reaching out and the networking that way. Honestly, I still think the most effective ways are showing up to events, building relationships. I mean, that hasn't changed even though technology has changed. I I, I totally agree. I think the hard part is getting, you know, the, the current batch of, of CPAs that are coming out of school to understand that and that it is, this is still about relationships. I mean, the example, mm -hmm. you know, with our staff, we, we've been fully paperless in our office since 2005. So we've been on the cutting edge wow. of this stuff for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that uh, yet we constantly have to remind staff is, hey, you know, you can reach out with an email with a question to a client, but if you haven't heard back from them in a day or so, pick up the phone and call them. Our clients want to hear from you. Yep. Don't mm -hmm. just assume that they've seen this stuff. Our clients are busy. And so uh, yep. you know, we want them. And so we, we, our focus is hiring people that have the personality to be able to do those client re uh, relationships, not just somebody that's sitting back and grind numbers. Not that that's, yep. they're bad people, it's, and you, you, we don't yeah. but. You really you want to have a team that really understands the idea of, of the touches and working with that client and being available. Yeah, no, absolutely. And let me ask you this too, Chris. I, um, 
you mentioned in your experience that in, in starting out, it was a sales role. That's not something you typically hear from accountants, as you've said, who, who like to focus and grind and punch the numbers. Did you did you recognize that early on you needed this skill set of sales? Did you have a job that taught you that? Do you just like talking to people? I mean, what? Because again, you don't typically hear that from accountants. No, you don't. And I think it was um, the mentor from the firm that I was with when I was in college kind of helped instill that in me, um, that it is it is about relationships. You have to be out there and, and involved. Um, you're right. You get a lot of CPAs that just don't get that. They think it's all about referrals. And sometimes it is about referrals if you have a specialty that you're well known for. But you still have to get out there and build a brand and understand that people – you know, some people are out looking for you. Some people aren't looking for you. And you want to, it's one thing getting the, the low hanging fruit, but boy, if you want to target and go after uh, higher end clients, clients that are more sophisticated, clients that are going to obviously be very profitable for the company, you've got to be in front of their faces and you've got yep. to show that. And, and that referral component and that interaction is critical. Mm -hmm. We've talked with a lot of different founders and business owners, and we've heard that um, the first several years, depending on the, the business, can feel like you're just trying to survive each and every day. You're just trying to bring enough money through the doors to keep the lights on. I'm curious what that looked like for you, if that's common with your experience, and at what point you knew, like, okay, we're, we're beyond survival mode, we're going to make it. How many years of, of grinding did it feel like before either you landed enough clients or a large client that it was like, all right, I think we're going <laughs> to be okay? Oh, it's taken 33 years, but no. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, we were typical. You know, you're first starting out, you don't have a ton of clients. I, had a, I brought a few clients with me from an, the other CPA firm when I came to the Seattle market, and, and so that helped a little bit. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, for the first three years, I, there were times where I think my staff was drawing a larger salary than I was. And you just sure. have to be comfortable with that. You have to understand that that's how it's going to be because you're reinvesting back into the company and the technology side of things. And it, it, it becomes critical mass. I mean, uh, I've always been a believer you, you have the capacity in the firm to handle the work and you always have a little bit more than what you're out dragging in because uh, the worst thing you can do is drag in a bunch of work and, and scurry to find people later. It doesn't usually bode well when you're promoting that you're providing this hands-on service. So we were uh, we invested a lot in getting uh, getting this staff involved as soon as we could, and in the same breath, out there constantly trying to drag and work and and, and do that stuff. So it's uh, it was probably first three to four years that were. They were tight. We were getting, we were growing every year, but it was it, before we kind of hit a hit that first plateau or that first step to where you felt like it was a little comfortable. Uh, you know, you didn't live on your laurels, but you, you definitely felt like, hey, I could take a breath, and we could then kind of implement the next phase of what we wanted to do in terms of the products that we offered and the level of service we could offer. For sure. That's helpful. Do you find that that uh, experience has been uh, with going out, having a business partner, starting your own uh, business? Has that been pretty helpful? Is then you're working with a lot of other uh, small business owners or people that are trying to scale up? I mean, I imagine relationally that's got to help that you've got the own your own experience that uh, you can relate to what they're going through. Sure, it's 
you know, that's uh, that's always a great thing, you know, I, I, and we use that as a, as a marketing line when we talk to people going, hey, you're working with an o- another business owner, and I, I've gone through the same stuff that you're going through, or we've, we've been in the trenches together. I can build, I can give you insight, not just in accounting, but I can talk about marketing. I can talk about other components of running a business that most CPAs might not be able to do. And and we've tried really hard to also develop our staff that way. Uh, even though they may not be a business owner, we one of our core values is, is our staff thinking like business owners and really working with them at that level so that they can sympathize, at a minimum sympathize and look for opportunities or, or problems that a business may have. They may not have the solution, but we've got the resources in the firm that can help with that. But getting them to think that way is, a, is, is hard uh, and it takes some time to, to develop, but I, it's something that has been very beneficial for us when it comes to growing a practice that's much more hands-on. Yeah. And in that same vein, so we've talked about how the unique approach that your firm has taken to helping businesses grow and, and uh, taking a proactive approach. Practically speaking, uh, what are some of those things that you're doing to proactively help businesses grow? Um, what are some of the most consistent ways that your firm comes alongside of them or, or maybe a story that where you've really come alongside a business to help them grow? Far more than they would have had they have just gone to the the H and R block down the street. Uh, you know, I think that and there's a lot of examples in our firm uh, of this. And our kind of our approach is, you know, we we tell their clients, look, you know, if you just planning on seeing this at the end of the year when you're ready to do your taxes, we're not your firm. Uh, mm-hmm. We force our clients into having at least quarterly meetings with us that are have agendas that sit down and really talk about strategy. Uh, Really, you know, we use the, the numbers to analyze where they've been and we help them project on where they're going. We understand business valuations because we have business valuation analysts on staff. I'm a certified mergers and acquisitions advisor. So we understand right, cool. what it takes in order to, uh, to ultimately get to the place to build that value to sell their business. And that's ultimately what they're all thinking about. Uh, and we tell them. Hey, the minute you start your business, you should be thinking about your exit strategy. And, well, that's, yeah. and that's, a, that's something that we've, we've, we've forced them to work on. Uh, you know, they may not want to talk about it, but we force them to be thinking about this because building that value not only helps them achieve long-term dreams, but it helps you know, through their business life cycle. So we focus on the business life cycle and helping them mm-hmm. each phase of that uh, cycle. And each phase brings on a whole different set of... Um, uh, needs and our job is to help them navigate those needs. They run their business really well. They know their business better than I do. But when it comes to how to take it to the next level and how to be efficient with it, they do not have that that expertise in house. And our job is to step up and do that. Yeah. Cool. That's good. And, and Chris, you know, I'm putting you a little on the spot here, but I'm curious because you've engaged with so many different businesses. What are some things you've seen from business owners or businesses? What, what separates the ones that thrive from the ones that either plateau or maybe end up having to close their doors? You know, I think it's the business owner that uh, can, can eventually get out of the weeds. Most people that start up in a business, they, they're forced to be in the weeds. Uh, it's mm. the ones that can't seem to get out of the weeds and, and won't delegate and develop a management team whether it's family members, whether it's uh, you know, other people, uh, they need to understand that 
for them to grow, they need to continue to grow with the firm. And for them to grow in their own company, they have to have people underneath them that they can trust to run things because they can't do everything. I mean, you, I think if you do everything, you're just doing everything at a mediocre level. You need to understand your strengths, you need to understand your weaknesses, and you need to supplement that. And, and our job is usually to help them point that, out, point that out to them. Our job is to also maybe help develop those leaders inside the company. Uh, our job is to help them see where they need to be in order to grow to the next level. And uh, so we're trying to give them that insight and bring the resources to the table to do that. Could be something like, uh, you know, putting key people in Vistage, uh, for example, or trying to uh, help them develop a, a, a new way to really uh, push their information and their, their uh, key performance indicators in a direction that help them be able to manage the business on a much faster way on a daily basis than waiting for a financial statement to happen at, at, in the next month. So it's really getting to think proactive and that's that's what a, a lot of the business owners need to do is they need to eventually get out of their own way and bring in the right resources to to manage the operation and help and get them to grow their company and, and be strategic. That's, I mean, from those last two questions, it sounds like that's what you and your firm do best is that you are kind of the built-in, let's zoom out on a regular basis so that, yes, things are going really well right now for you, or hopefully they are, um, but in another three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, what are the moves that you need to make right now in order to continue the, the growth, which is an amazing service that, that you provide in that regard. Because <clears throat> as I think of other um, service industries that, that serve local businesses, I can't really imagine anybody else who is doing that. So that's awesome that you saw that opportunity so early on. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why. I don't consider myself the sharpest tool in the box, but that one at least came to me one day. And I think, you know, I, and, it, and it wasn't easy to implement. I mean, it really took time. It took a lot of busting my head against the, the wall a few times and just to get people to understand it. Uh, I mean, our profession was horrible at marketing that concept, so getting clients to actually think about us in that that light was really a lot of marketing on our side. And I mean, you even had clients that you'd had for 10 years, and sometimes they didn't even know you did some of this stuff, even though we're telling them every month. So it's yeah. you know, for them, it's, it's them thinking about us first being that kind of um, resource to them and not just some uh, situation where we're just overhead you know, helping them prepare tax returns just to make the government happy. Of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What, um, and, and I'm curious in that, in that same thought, you know, has the industry 33 years of doing this and, and really going in that direction? Of course, I believe you guys are unique in that regard. Do you feel like that's becoming more common in the industry? I mean, what, you know, maybe folks back East or in the South or Northeast, I mean, what advice would you give to those kind of people and business owners, you know, maybe listening. Um, is it common? Is it easier to find? Or, you know, do they need to call you up in uh, in Redmond there in Seattle? <laughs> well, they can always call me in Redmond in Seattle. That's, that's, yeah. that's cool. But yeah, you know, I think it, I think it's something that is, is a little bit more in the profession. I think the profession is talking about it. I mean, the big, big firms have always been talking this way because they have the resources and they can hire the right kind of consulting people. But, you know, for the smaller firms like mine, where we're um, uh, we're trying to do this, it, it's it's hard right now because it's hard to find people. 
I, I think you'll find there's a lot of CPAs that are also looking at transitioning and uh, they're it's time for them to retire. And so it can be a little bit of a, uh, it's a catch-22 form. You know, it's, it, you, you might find a firm that can do it. You might find a firm that says they can do it. Uh, the question is, can they really perform and, and do that with all the other stuff that goes on? And, and I think it's a resource issue. Uh, you know, we have staff that can generate tax returns and financial statements, and, but you also have to invest in the non-traditional um, uh, resources that you need inside of your firm, whether it's in financial planning, whether it's in business valuation, whether it's in forensic accounting, those kinds of things that, that come into play. As a, as a CPA, you have to commit to making those investments. And I'll, there's some CPAs that are doing it. Uh, I think there's a, more that are doing it now than they used to. But I think it's not as much as it should be. And I think part of it right now is just the transitioning of business owners out of the industry and finding, uh, finding those mentors that are bring, you know, bringing in young staff that can understand how to do that. And do it, the, you know, do it like we talked about, face-to-face -face and networking and not sitting behind the, uh, a computer screen and hoping that somebody shows up as a client and, and, and asks you questions. It just doesn't work that way anymore. For sure. For um, <clears throat> young entrepreneurs, uh, which is mostly our listener base here, people that are either just starting up or are uh, planning to start a business in the next uh, year or so, um, how early should they start conversations with a, a CPA? And uh, as they're looking at CPA firms, of course, we want all of our listeners to go to you and use you and your firm. But um, as they are uh, talking with different firms, what uh, what kind of questions should they be asking? And how early on should they bring a CPA in? Well, they should be bringing a CPA in before they even create the business entity. Um, because mm -hmm. the CPA can really help them decide what that business entity is and looks like. And so, and, and you know, and but they should also be working in conjunction with an attorney simultaneously because there's a lot of things that go on in there that need to happen and that you need the team talking about that. Uh, as it, also, they should be using the CPA to help them when it comes to building their business plan and or at least their projections of where they think they're gonna be. Uh, many business owners sometimes don't do that and they just, hey, I got a great idea and I know it's gonna work. Well, is it really? And are you being realistic about what's going on outside of the industry that could impact you? Uh, for, you know, interest rates, for example. We all know what's going on with right. interest rates right now. You know, do they really understand the impact of interest rates on their, their ability to grow their business? That, that's, a, that's an easy example to have. But, you know, there's other factors. You know, as CPAs, we should be out there really understanding what's going on in the general market and how it influences what's going to happen to our clients and be able to drive them in that direction. And a lot of startups, you know, they don't have the money, but they need to figure out how to, uh, how to set aside a certain amount from an investment perspective to have a CPA help them. And, and, and maybe have a CPA help them, even if it's a minimum, doing their bookkeeping while they're getting their business started so that they're not bogged down in some of the stuff that is gonna slow them down from growing their company. For sure. That's good. And, and honestly, Chris, I mean, it, it, you know, I. As you know, I did small business banking startups to, you know, 10 million in revenue and under for years and then shifted into commercial. It's really interesting that you you say, you know, bring, you know, the accounting firm in with the ideas. You guys give such a great perspective and a, and a different outlook and 
you know, it's not to be a negative Nancy, but it's ultimately to ask those tough questions that somebody goes from, I have an idea to, can this become a reality? And I think that would save a lot of people trouble and time and maybe set them up for success earlier on than they do. So that's not advice that I've heard before. You know, let me do this. I want to take it a, a little bit different in direction in the conversation just because we got you on the line. You early on were on the forefront. You had the ability to look at the development of the PCs. You were right there in the area and said, hey, I see that there could be some incredible opportunity. Curious in that same breath, everybody's talking to AI right now. How, what sort of an impact do you think that could have on your industry in general? And what are some things you guys are already starting to see with that? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think the AI is a great opportunity for us. I, while AI might get out there and replace some manual services, maybe in the low end of tax preparation, for example, I mean, I could see, you know, the H&R blocks of the world, you know, moving much more to AI just because of the complexity levels of the returns that they do. But for us, what we're finding is that, you know, one, with this, how tough it is to find staff. Even, in, mm-hmm. even when we're having the market that we have right now and there's layoffs and things, it's still tough to find them. We recruit a lot out of college, but uh, you know, having that capacity, uh, that's why we went uh, paperless very early on, was to make sure that we could manage more projects much more efficiently with fewer staff. I think that uh, AI, what it's going to do is it's really helping us from a research perspective with some of the complexities of accounting uh, rules and tax rules and it allows us to be able to automate that a little bit easier a little quicker and to find solutions a little faster when it comes to some of the uh, the proper presentation of information and numbers uh, for what we do uh, hmm. I, I i don't know yet from a consulting perspective how it might help i think that again it's a tool i don't think it's going to replace us as consultants i think it's just yeah. going to be an added tool that's going to give us more information at our fingertips much quicker. And, you know, we want, and it might help us also to manage the shortage of resources when it comes to staff, you know, and hopefully it won't always be like that, but it's technology I think we're going to need to embrace to do that. Go ahead, Nick. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just anecdotal, but that's that's my hope with AI as well, is that uh, as humans, it it will replace some of the more... uh, uh, remedial root uh, tasks so that we can uh, be functioning at our highest and best levels doing the things that as humans uh, we can only do and what we do best when it comes to relationships and having vision and executing on on things as opposed to just basic data entry. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we when I first started, if you had to do tax research, you were going through books and trying yeah. to, you know, and then it finally got to where the stuff is online through services, you know, so the next progression is now we're going to use AI to really help aggregate a lot of that information and make the research process a lot easier. Have you started seeing with some of your clients uh, some adoption into it? And, you know, those guys are saying, hey, how can we utilize that to be on the forefront of growing and expanding in their industries? I think we're slowly starting to see it. I think it's still very uh, early in the in the life cycle for AI, I think that they're starting to, clients are starting to look at opportunities to use it in certain functions in their, their firms. Maybe it's in the production side, uh, helping them analyze how to, how to really make production much more efficient. 
I think you're going to see it a lot more in inventory management. I've got a client that's looking mm -hmm. at it as part of their e-commerce and how that can help them really manage what kind of stock and the inventory that they have on a much more uh, very proactive basis instead of you know waiting for certain reports. I think that this is going to be something that they're going to use to automate that process a little bit more. So it might change the uh, the need of the uh, the purchasing agent, so to speak, uh, mm -hmm. and, and what that looks like going down the road. So that's what we're seeing right now so far. Yeah. No, that's good. What, um, <laughs> you know, and, and thinking, I know we're, we're getting closer on our time. Let me ask you this. In terms of, you know, kind of hearing your story and through your progression, you know, you've, you've been on the forefront. You've kind of pioneered different strategic thinkings, different plans, being different in the industry, whether that be, you know, CFO, part-time CFO, or, you know, taking advantage of the technology and the times like we're talking about now. What's been your motivation to keep going? Because, you know, 33 years, it's easy to build your, your book, the size you want, to sit back, enjoy life. Not that I'm saying you're not enjoying it, but you've continued to grind, you've continued to grow, continue to really press. What What's the motivation there for you? You know, I, I think it's just really, I, I like uh, seeing success. And I like being part of success. And I like to think and hope that you know I could I contributed to someone's success, mm -hmm. and I think that uh, that that's what continually motivates me. And it's interesting how you know you kind of give you do that, and how things come back around to you personally from a satisfaction perspective or helping you attain your own goals that uh, make it you know it's exciting to do on a day to day basis. And so it just it's it's uh, I'm not sure what else I would do. Um, I mean, I can play a lot of golf. I can do some of those things, but you know, it's just it's it's that it's it's feel it's helping people, and it's feeling like you know what I I've I've helped mentor you know staff. I've helped uh, companies grow. I've had a lot of people appreciative of what we've done for them once we ultimately helped them transition out of their company. And uh, you know, it's it's pretty interesting when you can you can help a business owner ultimately sell his business for sixty million dollars, and. Mm -hmm. uh, and see, you know, they're happy with it, and they're happy to pay you to do that. And uh, uh, there's just a lot to be said. And those people end up, you know, even after they sell their business and their, you know, the, the size of client dwindles down to maybe just being a personal texture, they're still, they're, they, they ultimately become friends. And that's yeah. something that's kind of fun to, to really to see happen. I love that uh, mindset of just, I like seeing success. I like helping people succeed. I like helping people grow. And um, it's such an amazing opportunity that you've found within the, the CPA space to really be able to live out that dream and that vision. So Nick, I know we're, uh, we're a bit short on time here, but you got a couple of the, the golden nugget round questions that we can fire off yeah. real quick here. And Yep, absolutely. Well, Chris, we asked these four questions to all of our guests. And so the first one here, I just am going to have you pick one. But uh, the question is one of the uh, the F's of Abundant Journey. We often say pick one of these that you're working on getting better at this year. So we got family, finance, faith, fitness, and future. Pick one of those. Tell us a way you're, you're working on it this year. You know, it's probably family. I think uh, as a business owner, you know, you're driven. You're you're working with a lot of people. You're it's all about goals. It's about success. And it's and you know, as business owners, 
you know, we try not to show a lot of emotion. We try to just, you know, this is how we're going to do it, and let's let's succeed, you know, and pound through it and, and not look back. And, I, and, you know, what I'm starting to see is with family, uh, and from a family situation, it's kind of embracing the feelings part mm. of what's going on. I don't think as business owners, a lot of times we embrace our feelings when it comes to what's going on around us and, and how it's impacting the ones we love. And so uh, it's changing that mindset. It's kind of getting out of, not taking, not being a business owner at home and really uh, spending a little more time uh, uh, sitting comfortably or uncomfortably with your feelings as it relates to your interactions with your family. No, that's that's a great answer. And I'll tell you what, being a dad of three little girls, I'm going to need to master that quite well as they continue to age. So. <laughs> That's assuming they don't drive you to drink heavily. That's right. Well, next one here, what's a quote from a book or mentor that stuck with you on your journey? You know, as I said, I'm a golfer. And uh, one of the things I heard from a golf pro one time uh, when we were doing a playing uh, lesson was, you know, when you hit a bad shot, you've got 10 steps walking away from the ball to be mad. And then after that, you got to let it go, and you got to focus on the next shot. And it's something I've, I've really used a lot in my business career is mm. you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things like that, and you're going to get mad, and outside things are going to not work the way you want them to work. But you know what? You've got to you can give yourself a second to blow up and then move on and focus mm. on the next issue you've got to deal with. And so uh, that's, that's probably the one that, I, that sticks with me the most. Mm. Man, that's that's so good, and I think that applies to more than just business. I oh, mean, yeah. whether that's life or family, or you know, because life is full of turns and twists and things that you just don't expect. And so, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a time to be able to even I think even in the Bible, Solomon talks about that time to mourn, time to grieve, then time to laugh and keep going. So that's right. you know, that's. that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, next one here. What uh, what's a dream or goal that you have had but you've not been able to accomplish or make happen yet? Gosh, you know, I that's a tough one. Um, I feel like I've, I've kind of hit a lot of my goals. I mean, you can always go back and say, God, I'd like to be a little more successful or have a little more money or you know, everybody's got those second thoughts. I think uh, when it comes sure. right down to it. But in terms of you know doing what I wanted to do the way I wanted to do it. What has been the, the thing that has has been the one thing I wanted to accomplish, and I feel like I've done that, and I've been able to mentor and develop really good people to help me do that, and that's that's probably it. That's that's so good, and that I mean that makes a difference in their lives and their families, and you know helps set them up. On, on their paths to success. So, I mean, I've, I've been able to look around my life and see that. And just those, those kinds of relationships are huge. So I know those people are grateful for that. Yeah. Well, la- last one here, at the end of your life, what do you hope you'll be remembered for? You know, for making an impact in many people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think it's, you, you start getting older, you start thinking about, you know, what's it all about? Why are we even doing this? You know, it's, you, you, you're born, you do something, and you die. And, you know, is anybody going to remember? Uh, you know, sometimes they will. Some people will for a while. But can you make an impact on people's lives that are, are going to allow them to move on and, and be successful? And um, that's something I just hope people remember about me. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're doing a, 
an amazing job of that as you're helping business owners grow their business. And then even like you mentioned, making that $60 million uh, exit. I mean, that's not just life-changing money for one person. That's a generational uh, impact in the kind of wealth that that's now created for, for that family. Um, and you had a huge hand in, uh, in being able to help. And that's just one example. Uh, you've got 33 years of, of those kinds of examples. And, you know, as long as you keep doing this, many, many more opportunities moving forward. So that's, uh, that's really awesome. And um, so much here that I think is super great for our audience to, to listen to. Uh, it's really fun having, this is the first time we've had a CPA um, on the show. And of all the CPAs in the world, we got the best one in Chris Falco. So uh, I, I, I pity the next CPA that's got to come on that's still doing the traditional model. <laughs> we might be one and done on CPAs here, Nick. <laughs> uh, well, that's my goal. That, that, yeah, exactly. Well, and on that note, Chris, what is the best way for people to connect with you, to find you, if they are uh, starting a business or growing a business and they do want to talk with you about CPA services, where would you send listeners? Uh, you know, I first of all, definitely recommend they go to the website. It's uh, www.falcosult, S-U-L-T, that is, .com. And uh, it gives you kind of an idea of, of our approach and our thought process. Uh, you'll see our staff. Uh, we've got a number of uh, staff, especially at the principal and manager level, other than just myself, who are very, very capable of helping people. And, uh, and we, I can guarantee you, you call us, we're going to get right back on the phone if we don't talk right away to, to talk to you and see how we can help you. And uh, we've got our phone number there and, and all that. So it's, feel free to give us a call. And, uh, you know, it's not going to cost you anything to sit there and talk to us about what your needs are. And uh, we'll, we'll be very frank with you and tell you, this is how uh, we think we can help you. And if, it, if that sounds good to you, then let's try to figure out how to make it work. Fantastic. Well, we will include that link in the show notes. So listeners, do be sure to check that out and reach out to Chris and his team uh, through the website, through the number there. But Chris, thank you so much. This has been such an awesome conversation. Appreciate all uh, of your time and I'm super excited about everything that you're doing to, to help businesses grow in the CPA space. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, everybody. We'll uh, see you next time.